0: I'm Tiffany Youngren, owner of OMH Agency, and welcome to Breakaway Agent. In a world full of real estate pros struggling to get ahead, there are a few who emerge and become wildly successful. If you are or are working to become one of these Breakaway Agents, this show is for you. Thanks so much for listening, and even if you just get one thing out of this episode to help your business grow, that's a huge win. Hopefully, you'll get a few nuggets, though, to help you move forward. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Marcus Koss, Managing Principal Broker at Summa Pacific Cascade Realty. Hey, Marcus. Hi, how are you? Good, good, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, It's my pleasure, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, great. Well, Marcus has always been service-driven. It's been a driving factor in his life and as a veteran of the Marine Corps and in service to his community as a firefighter, he has always believed that the greatest portion of your life should be serving others. He is proud to have that opportunity within real estate. Thanks again, Marcus, for being here.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Let's, uh, let's, just, start, um, let's just start out. Can you share something uh, more about yourself and how you've gotten to where you are now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, I think as you kind of went over there, uh, really, my life has really always been about service to others. Um, That's kind of the driving force uh, that my family instilled in me. I'm a fourth generation uh, in my city of Lake Oswego, which is a suburb of the Portland area. And uh, my family has always been about that local service. So I actually entered into commercial real estate in uh, 2008, uh, coming across from another sales career after leaving the Marine Corps. And really, it was because I was traveling you know a ton all over the country, and uh, just was not feeling that local connection that had been instilled in me. And so I moved into real estate as my way to you know be of service within my local community. And then you know within a few short years, moved from commercial to residential because I figured out that that's really the way that I could plug in and help people within my local community uh, in the most direct fashion.
0: You definitely connect differently with residential than you do with commercial. Usually, residential it's a little more personal <laughs> typically yeah. i mean not always but typically that's what you you know probably get into yeah. so
1: i always tell you know my agents that i'm bringing into the brokerage that and you know that are new to real estate that hey this is 50 percent sales and 50 percent therapy
0: oh yeah <laughs> exactly
1: you know, leading people through this it's it's a major you know it's a major life stress right it's the three top right or job change family changes and housing changes and so uh you know for us um we're, we're always focused on that closing timeline and getting to that closing check at the end of the 30 or 45 day cycle. But really that's, that's the start for uh, people who are purchasing their home. That's the new chapter in their life. It's a very exciting time, but it can be very stressful, you know, leading people through that and getting them ready for that change.
0: Yeah, that's really true. That's really true. So do you have a, a niche or a niche client that you typically work with?
1: You know, uh, frankly, I don't, uh, you know, my, You know, obviously, I'm I'm focused around working within uh, what you know you call the sphere of influence, right? The people that I already know know and like, and who have a trust uh, in me because I want to help them, and uh, and they know that I can do that for them. Uh, But beyond that, you know, our our brokerage has grown, you know, really across the entire Portland area. We have a few agents who, you know, specialize in some particular property or area sets, but the vast majority of us are really just about finding the the clients that we can connect with and that we can really help and so that really has taken us across the entire Portland uh, metro area and and beyond um, you know, every year our area gets a little bit bigger and we do some transactions that are a little bit further out uh, just because people come to us because they trust us for what we can provide.
0: Okay that's awesome so um, and we from the information I've gotten from you before you had mentioned that you have 45 people on your team is that correct?
1: Yeah, we have actually grown a couple. So we're at 48 now.
0: Awesome. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: What, what role do, does your team play in your business?
1: You know, uh, so my, my role has changed a little bit over the years. So when I came into this, you know, as I mentioned, I came into commercial. This is a direct commercial agent representing some you know, primarily office clients. Uh, and then I moved across to residential. I was just operating as a single agent. Um I moved across to help another friend of mine who was just birthing out a new brokerage at that time. And so I was really just truly on my own. There was three of us agents that came in at the same time to start this brokerage out. And you really, the only reason that I was willing to you know make that jump to residential was uh, the thought process that we could be doing something a little bit different than the market has been doing. Um, coming into real estate from the commercial world and and really commercial sales. I was with uh, IBM for a little more than a decade. Uh, I was used to a corporate structure, you know, experts doing what experts are good at. Uh, And so coming across into real estate, my big hesitation was I don't want to come in and try to do everything because I can't be good at doing everything. And so we had to create a support team that was good at everything that really has to happen within uh, a residential transaction, from the marketing and the photography and the digital design. Right, we we need to have people who are experts at each one of those pieces, uh, as well as the behind the scenes and just making sure that the transaction flows well, that the paperwork is correct, that the you know contracts and negotiations happens appropriately. So we built our brokerage a little bit different, uh, where you know we started building that with kind of a one-to-one support model of uh, an agent along with uh, a staff member uh, mm-hmm. at the same time who was handling a lot of that back end and and had some specialty within either the marketing or the administrative logistics. Uh, and so then as I moved uh, on from that brokerage, we grew that to a particular size and I moved out to another brokerage and started building a team at another brokerage you know, with that same concept in mind, but a little bit less staff intensive because it was uh, quite difficult for us to operate um, profitably with that heavy of a staff load. Uh, mm-hmm. and then that team grew into the brokerage that I now own that's you know now 48 agents. Uh, So, you know, 48 is our agent count, and that's the number of actual salespeople that we have out there accomplishing plan, uh, which is, you know, really what I focus on as the basics is prospecting, lead acquisition, you know, going on appointments and contract negotiations. Um, So that's the plan that I want everybody working PLA in. Uh, And then everything else that goes into the transaction, we do have staff behind the scenes for. So we have a staff of 12 to support those forty-eight agents, uh, and that's those are just strict experts in what they do. So, experts you know, like digital photographers, videographers, copy editors, uh, administrative support that just handles the transactional paperwork to make sure you know all the the eyes are dotted and ts are crossed, and that things are happening appropriately, disclosures coming on time, and all of that. So. You know, our focus really, uh, as now, my focus, I guess, you know, has changed over the years, right? So when I came in as the individual, I was just entirely focused on. The particular sale client that I had and, you know, helping that buyer or seller through the transaction and just struggling, making sure that we were, you know, meeting all of those expectations on every single one of those, uh, as a brokerage owner, it's changed a bit where I'm still in production. I still represent my buyers and sellers out there. Uh, but I'm also leading, you know, a team of agents who are my customers as well. Um, I'm helping, uh, them understand, you know, what the experience should look like for that client uh, that they're representing and ensuring that they have the support as well to, to, you know, create a smooth transaction for everybody that's involved.
0: Yeah. So you have your hands full. So that's awesome. That's exciting. (laughs) So are you still, I mean, it it sounds like you're still building your team because you've gotten to just in since um, our first conversation to now, but are you still looking to build your team?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we're a boutique, uh, brokerage, right? We are not part of a large franchise. Uh, we're an independent office, um, you know, with these 48 agents, uh, that size has fluctuated a bit over the years. Um, you know, I've, I've had this brokerage for three years now, uh, when we originally, when I originally took it on, you know, between my team and the existing agents that I bought out the, the brokerage from there was uh, 25 of us and, uh, I actually kind of did some culling right from the beginning to, you know, make the brokerage a little bit, you know, healthier, and then went into recruiting mode. Uh, Ultimately, you know, really what we want is to have a very functional team environment. Um, It's very important, you know, to have the right culture within the office. Uh, and you know what we're saying in order to be competitive in the marketplace is that requires a team. Uh, we can't all be individuals who come in and lock ourselves in the office and kind of look at each other with suspicion and, and think that everybody in the office is competition for you. Uh, we have to operate like a team uh, we need to support each other through the ups and downs of the business and ensuring that our clients get the best service, you know, whether or not it's Judy or Todd, who's, you know, the one that's representing them in a transaction. Um, I'm trying, sorry, I'm, I've lost my train of thought. Uh, what was the original well, question? Well,
0: and let me, um, it does sound like you're still growing your team.
1: Growing, um, yeah. So, So we are continuing to grow and and really, you know, the reason we've grown a few in the last uh, month is that we're moving into the fourth quarter, which is uh, a very common time for agents to, you know, look at their year and realize that they didn't achieve what they wanted to and start looking at options that are out there. So we're continuing to grow, but we'll always be that boutique size. You know, our goal is to be somewhere in the 60 to 80 agent range and, you know, some fluctuation up and down, you know, through there. Um, But we don't want it to, you know, outgrow the size where it can really feel like a team. Uh, If you look at, you know, national statistics uh, in terms of, or, you know, not national, but just human statistics, I guess you would say, uh, you know, your, your group of people that you can know well, you know, is usually quoted at somewhere between 60 to 100 people. Um, and that's typically the size of you know people's personal sphere and the people that they're connected to, right? It's, it's about that number of people. There are people out there who can absolutely have spheres of 300 and they're, they're called super connectors, right? That are able to maintain that level of relationship for the vet. But for the vast majority of us, it's that 60 to 80 range. And that's really why we want our team to be that size. Um, because I feel that after you grow past that size and you start having a lot of fracturing that happens where you know, kind of there's this group and there's that group and, you know, and then there's not that cohesion where everybody's working well together.
0: That's fascinating. That's a really good way to approach the size, you know, size goals for your team. It seems like what, what are some ways that you nurture this culture that you're looking for?
1: Um, Well, you know, honestly, it's It's like any other relationship uh, that we're nurturing, right? It's always about uh, connection and ensuring that everybody feels a part of that group uh, that feels well supported. So, uh, you know, we focus a lot around education, education. Around business planning and and accountability, um, you know, when I bring agents in, you know, we're we're not looking for agents who are going to do the one or two deals over the course of you know two years, which is of course the NAR statistic of the average agent. Uh, we're looking for agents who come into this business looking for a full time career uh, that they want to be excellent in their field and to raise the bar in execution uh, for their clients. So that requires you know a lot of diligence and focus and that's that's where i kind of go back to that you know corporate training that i had had at IBM where i was leading sales teams there is in order to lead a sales team, you have to have an accountability function. You have to have a lot of planning that goes in. So, you know, at the very minimum, for you know my most independent agents, we're meeting you know five or six times a year, one on one, just going over their business plan, their performance, what they're hoping to achieve, how the market is changing, and what they need to do in their business to ensure that they stay on plan, on track. Uh, I don't have a you know quota requirement per se saying that if you don't do x number of transactions across this quarter, then you're going to be leaving us. But they're the ones who set those goals to say, this is how many transactions I want to do in order to support you know the lifestyle that I'm looking for, and so. It's always about how do we meet that expectation for them and keep them on track so that they don't reach the fourth quarter and look back at their year and be disappointed and not understand how that happened. Because we've met often enough that we have a very clear understanding as we're coming into the fourth quarter of either they're on plan or they're not, but they know why they're not on plan if not. Uh, And actually, the vast majority of our agents are always above plan because they have put so much emphasis and focus across the year.
0: That's awesome, and so you personally meet with them like five or six times a year.
1: Yeah, so that's that's me personally with every agent that comes into our brokerage, and then beyond that, yeah, we've got we just have tons of meetings and connect opportunities that occur throughout the week, uh, all educational based or skill based, uh, so that people can come in. Uh, whether it's, you know, we've got a meeting called Ascend, which is all about individual development. So working on, you know, those marketing plans and business plans and, you know, what what's everybody else doing? Uh, what are some, you know, practices that they can implement themselves out of what's working out there in the marketplace? You know, ultimately, the best resource that we all have is, you know, these other agents that are sitting around the table because everybody is out there doing the work. And so if we can implement what they have, uh, you know, one of my mentors, Tom Ferry's, uh you know, favorite phrase is to R and D, which is rip off and duplicate, right? Yeah. (laughs) You can do exactly the same thing that, you know, someone else in the brokerage is doing into your sphere set uh without re you know recreating the wheel on that. And it's it's not like it's just duplicating because it's an entirely different customer base. So you we can just learn from each other and use what else is being done out there uh, by having that connection with each other. So we've got broker development. We have, you know, educational development, ensuring that we stay you know on top of best practices, new programs, what's happening within the brokerage. We've got, you know, particular marketing-based development. So as people are taking on new marketing pillars, uh, we, you know, put together programs around that for them to help them to implement. So that they already have a good base to start from, but there's, you know, really there's probably five or six different uh, group opportunities every single week that that agents can come in and plug into to stay connected.
0: Okay. That's that's a lot of opportunity for them to grow. And it really shows in the results too, it sounds like. So so what are some things that you look for in candidates when you're, when you're um, meeting with potential new agents?
1: A potential. (laughs) And, you know, which actually is a little bit hard for me because I see everybody's best potential, right? I mean, everybody who walks in, I'm like, oh, you could be amazing in this business if you just do X, Y, and Z. Uh, You know, it's... It's sometimes it's easier to bring in brand new agents who have just got their licensing because you're not trying to retrain bad habits or to redirect you know some of the things they've learned from other agents who who aren't being as successful uh, in this industry. But on the flip side, if there's ways that I can bring an agent in who just has a need to, to make a small tweak in order to meet their goals then that's the kind of agent that I want to bring in uh, you yeah, know frankly I'm not out looking for agents who are already very happy with their business happy with the support they're receiving at their brokerage are comfortable where they're at that's just you know robbing Peter for Paul right I mean it's, it's just moving the pieces around the board and there's no reason for that uh, ultimately you know the people that I'm looking for is people that we can benefit and who are benefit benefited by being here. Uh, you know, we believe that really the brokerage is a tool and an instrument uh, for each, you know, agent to utilize in order to reach their personal summit, which is, you know, why we've named our brokerage Summa, which is Latin for summit.
0: Oh, very nice. Yeah. That's, well, what's something you. that you would tell your rookie self today?
1: Uh... <laughs> Uh, that's that's kind of funny. So, you know, when I came across the residential, frankly, I was very hesitant to do that, uh, mainly because I'd had a lot of negative experiences. Um, I had, you know, I had done, I had you know, purchased and sold eight different homes uh, at that point when I came across, uh, and I had used eight different agents through that process, and everything from, you know, my buddy, uh, the agent, to you know the biggest name in town, to people who espouse themselves as marketing experts, to so I you know I was picking somebody different every time, trying to find somebody that I felt was really a professional, uh, and I had a very high standard for that. You know, coming from a sales environment and and some in a big organization like IBM, like I knew what a professional. Experience should feel like and seem like, and and I didn't really receive it from any of them, and uh, so that was a big concern. And it took a lot of convincing to get me to come across with the idea that you know it can be done uh, a little different. But even with that, uh, I I won't say that I was embarrassed to be uh, a residential agent, but I was. I definitely didn't, you know, want that to be, you know, my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a result of that, uh, I was, I didn't go out and tell my family and friends. I was the secret agent, right? So uh, all of my clients were gained through cold contacts, online leads. Um, I, I generated, in my first year, I generated $8 million of volume. In my second year, I went to $15 million of volume. And that was without touching anyone who already you know, it was the traditional no like, and trust, right? Of, wow. I didn't, I didn't do that at all. And it took me several years to move past that to say, you know, I do provide a value to the marketplace, right? And it's not something to be embarrassed of based upon some of the community that exists out there. Uh, ultimately, the professionals in this business are very professional and provide an excellent service. And, you know, kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning of, you know, that this is 50% sales and 50% uh, therapy, you know, we provide a massive value to people in helping them to start the next chapter of their lives. And if we just look at it as an opportunity to use our friends and family in order to, you know, bring in, you know, commission checks for tens of thousands of dollars, then certainly that is the the, the negative aspect, you know, of our community. But if we instead approach it with an attitude of service and gratitude, uh, then, you know, we can absolutely market, uh, you know, our friends and family, knowing that we're actually providing them a very valuable service to help them. So back to my rookie self, that's the message that I would have brought in because that was the difficult message that I hadn't really received yet. And I didn't know how to accept. Uh, so it took me a couple of years before I actually started letting, you know, friends and family know what it was that I did.
0: So you would, (laughs) so you would tell your rookie self, just if I have this right, you tell, you tell that person like wear it, own it, <laughs> go out and do it, kind of thing. Start yeah,
1: from Yeah, it it's it's research. very valuable. You're a valuable member of the community, right? Okay. Uh, it's it's an important job that we do, and it brings a massive value to our customers.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, with all these agents that you bring on um, and you mentor and work with, it sounds like a lot of them take action and do the right things. But, um, I know as leaders, a lot of times we have these things, like if I could just make you do these three things, you, you're going to see so much success. Like if you were the King of the world and you could just make them do yeah. three things, what would those three things be?
1: Uh, so frankly, it's, uh, you know, what I just called do the work. I hashtag that on, on everything, um, you know the number one flag that I have when I interview agents coming in, and I say, "Why are you in this business?" There's two things that you know everybody hears. One, well, I just love houses. Uh, I'm like, well, okay. And then the second one is, I'm really looking for the flexibility uh, that this career brings, right? And uh, and that is, you know, frankly, that's always a struggle you know, with every agent uh, that I bring in here. Um, or the every agent that works period, right. Um, we all own our own business, right. We're not employees. We're not held to quota standards and, you know, work hours, right. We we're the ones who decide uh, how much work that we do and ultimately how much income that we bring in. So when I look at people and I see their ultimate potential, that if they came in and committed themselves and they put in, you know, the effort, they could, they could be bringing in, you know, Massive income; they could be bringing massive value to their community. It's a win-win for everybody. But ultimately, my work standards aren't always the same as their work standards, and nor should they be. Uh, I'm I'm a bit of a workaholic. Uh, I'm very happy working sixty to eighty hours a week. Uh, that that's that's just part of my personality and what's built into me. That's not necessarily you know a healthy model for everyone to have. Uh, so that's that's usually my biggest struggle is. And that's why I let the, you know, I meet six to eight times a year with people because I really want to be ensuring that they're meeting their goals and that they're doing the work that's necessary to meet those. And if they're not, that they understand why. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's a very acceptable sacrifice in their eyes. Right. So, you know, a lot of people come into this with some you know, expectations, expectations that may or may not be reasonable. Uh, and as they they start doing the work and understanding the commitments that that are required, then we have to make some adjustments based upon that. And either they're going to adjust to do additional work, you know, hashtag do the work, or they're going to adjust their expectation on, you know, how much income that they're going to bring in or the number of hours that are going to be committed, right? Because that's not what their lifestyle is going to represent. So, and and that's always a bit of a struggle for me as well is making sure that it meets their expectations and that I adjust my expectations for them as a result. So,
0: so number 1 would be do the work.
1: So number 1 do the work. Okay. Uh n- number 2 is uh you know consistent, be consistent. Mm-hmm. Um because that's the other you know struggle with our business is we're all Um, you know, inundated with marketing systems and, you know, different avenues to approach the business with and this new cool, you know, marketing tool you should use or this great new advertising route to go. And so, you know, what typically happens is, you know, what Brian Buffini calls the bumblebee effect, right, of realtors just kind of labor from one flower to the next flower without actually dedicating themselves to seeing it through. And so, you know, the typical message is, Oh, Zillow leads don't work because I gave that 60 days and I didn't get any conversions out of it. And what a waste of money. And then they labor over to, I'm going to do a geographic farm and they door knock for, you know, three months. And they're like, people hate door knocking and I'm, you know, wasting my time. And so then they labor on to the next. And so they do that for a couple of years and then they exit the business thinking that nothing actually works. The reality is if they had just dedicated themselves to being consistent and that one thing for a longer period of time, momentum builds, and then so do the results from that. So, number one, well, do the work. Number two, is be consistent.
0: Okay, and I think too, like I think in real estate, two things I that I believe uh, after my years of observation and participation, I think. Two things about the real estate industry. One is that you just don't get better sales training anywhere in any yep. industry. And yep. number two, you get more shiny objects thrown around you than in any other <laughs> industry. So <laughs> so the struggle is real, but I, I agree with you that, you know, if you can just be consistent and stay in your I always call it stay in your lane. Like, yeah. you know, there are billboards and sometimes you need to look at the billboard, but usually just keep, you know, keep the keep it steady. So those are your first two. What would be the third thing?
1: Uh, the third thing is would be uh, just what I call expansion so uh, you know, my my belief is that the purpose of life is expansion we we always have to be growing in some way and that could be uh, educationally which is you know absolutely a Huge focus that I have for my agents. Uh, if we are not educating ourselves, and we're stagnating, and we're falling behind our peers, the market, we're not representing our clients as well as we should be. So it's always about educating yourself. Uh, it could be you know an expansion in you know the number and types of transactions that you do. It could be expansion in things that are you know completely unrelated to work of expansion in your uh relationship with your you know wife or your husband and your children with friends expansion in the way that you serve your community one way or the other we always have to have a goal uh, if you're not shrinking you're growing or if you're not growing you're shrinking right yeah <laughs> uh, I mean it's, you have to always be expanding um, and and I think that that's not necessarily a focus a lot of the time. A lot of the time, agents are really focused on how do I keep things going exactly as they are, uh, and and ultimately that just slowly fades over time. Um, if if instead people are focused on where am I going next, what am I growing to, what what's the expansion that I'm focused on, maybe that does mean that their business shrinks in order for them to expand in in places that are more important to them in their life. But ultimately, they need to be expanding somewhere.
0: Well, and, you know, in those moments, I don't always think that less, you know, less in sales is shrinking. It's really, you know, if you're growing, you're growing. Like sometimes you take a hit in the in the revenue, which is a little bit painful, but it's still growing. Don't you believe?
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah. As long as you, as you have a plan for that, right? So again, it, it could be that your revenue is shrinking, but if that's because you've refocused your time into something else, like I say, maybe, maybe it's cutting back from 60 hours a week down to 40 hours a week in order to be there for, you know, your child who's, you know, entering the last years of high school, right? Mm-hmm. And if that's, if that's a plan then that's an expansion, absolutely. And in a way that's very meaningful for them. And then they're not at the end of the year questioning, why did my business shrink because they've been focused on my goal is to expand in this area, and that means that there is going to be some reduction in these other areas.
0: Well, and I like that you're so committed to growth. I mean, even as a, as a high performing agent, what are one or two things that you struggle with right now when it comes to growing sales?
1: I mean, the uh, the biggest struggle is always in competition, and that that always you know changes over time. So you know, over the over, you know, the past, when I came into uh, residential, let's see, I came into residential in 2010. Uh, so, that was, you know, still shrinking in the market, but pretty close to the bottom. The bottom in Portland happened uh, mid-2011 before we started a, uh, kind of a slow recovery, and then it really took off uh, mid to late 20, 12, 2012. Um, so, during that time, there was a lot less agents than there were today. And I think uh, our MLS had about uh, 3,500 active agents at that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the competition was stiff because there were so few listings. Uh, And of course it was all, you know, very long listing times because there were short sales and, and, you know, there was just very little happening in the market. So it was a stiff competition with less agents as our recovery occurred. um, You know, what, you know, this is called the fair weather agents of, you know, everybody who looks at our business and, and they see, you know, what I call the grins and giggles portion of it, of, you know, getting to drive a nice car and just to drive around and look at houses and, and then just cash big checks, right? I mean, that's all there is to it. Uh, so, you know, they look at that. And so we've swelled. So you know, our MLS, you know, reached about 14,000 uh, mm-hmm. this summer. Uh, wow. realistically, it's not that many more agents who are truly focused and dedicated. It's still, you know, the top 5% of the agents are doing 75% of the business, uh, in the MLS, but you know, it's a different type of competition. So during that time, you know, my sphere really knew one or maybe two agents when it was the bottom of the market. Now, you know, my sphere knows 14, you know, different agents of all these people and getting a message from everybody because there's so many people who have entered it, uh, And so it's just a different, you know, marketing message that has to be taken out at that time in order to, uh, you know, compete against what the market is providing.
0: So you say marketing message, is that, um, because my next question was, how do you respond to that challenge? Um, So can you be a little more specific about, like, (laughs) how do you respond to that? I mean, as someone who's in marketing, I always know it's like, you know, what, what sets you apart or what puts you ahead? Like, how do you how do you take that challenge knowing that your sphere knows more agents um, and um, take action? Like what is the action that you take
1: to? So, uh, so, you know, like what I, what I teach my agents is uh, the very basics of sales is determining a problem, right? Uh, Every, every sale begins with a problem. Uh, no one comes because of a solution. They come because they have a problem that needs a solution. And often they can't draw the line between those two. So in, in every type of sales that you look at, it's always about what's the problem that exists and you, and it's asking questions to mine for the problem that's there. So in different types of markets and with different competitions that that's out there, there is a problem that I can serve uniquely that other agents are not going to be able to solve. Um, at the base of the market, you know, when we were in that, you know, you know, funk down at the Mm -hmm. bottom of that crash, uh, the problem that existed was that, you know, people needed to make a change, but they couldn't afford to make a change. And so coming in and helping them understand what a short sale was, right. Helping them understand the possibility that existed, because I mined down to what's the problem that you have and, and understanding what the solution that I could provide to that is as the market has increased and suddenly there's 14 agents who are all marketing them, I'm telling them, Hey, I can come in and sell your house for top dollar. And I know your neighborhood and I'm your neighbor and I'm your best friend. And they all have their value proposition that they're bringing with that. But for me, it's still coming in and mining for what's the problem. And then what's the unique value that I can provide in order to provide that solution to them. And so Perhaps it's a message if they already know lots of agents who all specialize in their neighborhood, it still might be a message of, can I talk to you about the difference between a professional agent and a part-time agent and why, you know, I'm going to bring a better solution to that in order for you to reach this goal that you had stated, right? So it's, it's a tweak in the marketing message based upon the environment, based upon the factors that, you know, the client has uh, you know, based on lots of different things, but ultimately it's still always going back to what's the problem that exists and what's my value proposition to that.
0: When it goes back to, to education, like why it's so important for real estate agents to understand the market that they're in and, and what, you know, what the options are. Well, we just have a couple more minutes and I have two, two more questions. Okay. Um, so the first one I, I and they're both like, I don't want to miss these. Usually I'll be like, okay, well, we can skip those, but I don't want to miss them. So the first one, um, when I invited you to be a guest here, um, I asked you something that you're passionate about talking to other agents about and sharing. Um, And you said that one of the things that you're passionate about is um, just recommending being a full-time professional that practices their skill set to best serve their clients, not their own pocketbook. Would you like to take a minute and just elaborate quickly on that? Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes. <laughs> Something to think about that for a second here. So, going back to, you know, what we talked about at the beginning of my passion and focus is around serving others. Uh, yeah, I think that our industry has experienced a general slide over time. Uh, there was a you know time really you know really was the eighties and you know into the early nineties where uh, real estate was full of professionals that provided a very good value to their clients, and a lot of. A lot of that was really based upon the limitation to the skill set that was required. Uh, You know, we were gatekeepers to information. You had to come into the office in order to, you know, see listings. Right. So we were able to really focus on obtaining a client, leading them through the process, being an expert at that contract and negotiation, being of value to them. As information became more widely available, uh, frankly, it, it caused, you know, there. So there was a large, I would say, there's, you know, a large expansion, right, in terms of the amount of things that we needed to do to provide the same level of value. Because our clients came in, they already know about the listing, they know the history on it, they know the tax record, they know, like, they know as much about that listing as we do when they come in anymore. And so because we're not gatekeepers information, then we need to expand our skill set to provide that continuing value. That's the, you know, the experience that I had was we can't do all those things well, right? We used to do one thing well, but we can't do all those things well. And so what we end up doing is one thing that we're passionate about. Like I take the best photos, but then, you know, they're terrible at communication and they don't know how to negotiate a contract or like, I am an expert, you know, for me, my value proposition, I am an expert at contracts and negotiations. That's what I've done my entire life. Am I going to take a great real estate photograph. No, like I, I am not like, I don't know how to capture it. I'm not an artsy person. Like that's, that's just not going to be, you know, my best place to operate, but because we're expected to do all these things independently, there's been a slide in how the public perceives us because we can't do all those things well. And so we're going to come in and represent, oh, I'm going to do this great job. And then if it was me, they're going to be super disappointed in the photos that I take if I'm trying to take these photos myself. Now, like this guy doesn't have a market house, right? I know how to market. I just not good at that piece. And so what's happened is there's been a slide in terms of you know, how agents are perceived, uh, in the market of what our value is, uh, depending upon the studies you read, you know, some of them, uh, some of the studies rank us, uh, lower on a trust and value than, uh, uh, on a scale index than a used car, uh, salesman, uh, which is, you know, one of the issues that I had coming into this is why I wasn't sure that I even really wanted to do this, but I believe that agents do provide a massive value, and so if you come into this with dedication towards becoming a professional, really dedicating full-time effort to it so that you can be a professional, because that's what it takes in order to educate yourself and to represent your clients well, and to be consistent and, um, and informed and able to have a support team behind you to actually take care of your client the way that they should be, then your clients are going to have a great experience. Our industry is going to have that bar raised uh, and is going to recover in terms of, you know, what, you know, people's perceptions of the real estate broker are. And ultimately you're going to be successful and satisfied in your job. But if you don't come into it with those expectations uh, and instead you're just looking at it as, oh gosh, if I can do one or two transactions a year and you know, pay for my Mercedes and <laughs> Make bank. To Hawaii, uh, yeah. then that'll be enough for me. Then you're not going to accomplish any of those things. And, right. and that's what's really important to me is seeing that our industry and our customers are well supported.
0: That's awesome. Well, that's very good. Okay. My last question. So I am a huge foodie and I ask this question at the end of every podcast interview I've ever done. What is your favorite dish and where?
1: Oh gosh. See that's that's really hard. Uh I don't know if you know much about Portland, but we're a huge foodie culture here. Uh We've got uh, amazing food in food trucks that are all over the city. Um, there's actually been a huge push uh, around that where uh, the city is setting aside, you know, land and everybody's just doing all these startups all the time. Some of those startups go on and you know become, you know, full brick and mortar restaurants. Some of them just can kind of continue as those, you know, cart uh, spots. But as a result of having this, you know, massive food culture, we have some of the most fantastic uh, restaurants, uh, really, in my opinion, in the nation. And you know, so if
0: if before. I were going to go one day to Portland, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've eaten in Portland, so I feel you, but like if, yeah. if, you know, you were to talk to someone and they were like, I only get to eat one meal in Portland, what would it be? And where would you suggest that eat?
1: So I am prefacing this with all of this amazing foodie culture we have because there's a lot of amazing stuff out there. My issue is that I'm a simple person.
0: Okay, hey, that's <laughs> so okay. So
1: I like to, you know, honestly, you know, my favorite thing to do is go to one of the breweries that we have in town, which we have dozens, uh, and just get a really good burger and a really good beer and to relax on the patio during our good weather that we have from time to time and uh, and just enjoy myself in that uh, kind so of
0: environment. So we like... going
1: up to 10 Barrel uh, Brewing. Uh, they've got a great dark beer there called... Sinister, uh, Mm. which I enjoy, and uh, having that, and uh, one of their uh, burgers is.
0: So you're talking right.
1: just like a cheeseburger, or just a regular burger with nothing on That's, it, or yeah, just just uh, like I don't really care what's on it, honestly. I mean, they've got you know great you know selection of burgers there, but just yeah. going and just having a burger and a beer and relaxing a little bit. But yeah, there's awesome. there's an amazing you know uh, array of restaurants here in Portland. Some really great uh, ethnic uh, restaurants. Uh, Ox is fantastic, uh, which is um, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh Argentine, uh all meat. Just really, Okay. <laughs> uh that place is fantastic. There's there's a lot of great places uh that are there. Yeah. Um and I highly I think, recommend. I think you
0: even know, your grocery stores, stores are better than most places. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, well, that's as awesome. As expensive
1: as a lot of those places. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, now I'm starving. I feel like I always do this right before lunch and so I'm super hungry now, but thank you so much, Marcus, for being here. You, you just really gave some really good takeaways. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, great. This was great. I really appreciate you having me on. Of
0: course. Well, thanks again to everyone who's listening and remember the best is yet to come. Rickaway Agent is produced by OMH Agency and hosted by Tiffany Youngren. A special thanks to production assistants by Taylor Hill, Dwayne Youngren, and Miranda Youngren. The song Beside Me is by Youngren Music, and a special thanks to our audio production advisor and engineer, Alex Youngren.